I'm Barry Worthington. I'm Paul Thorpe. I'm Adam Convery. And this is the Progress with the Unity podcast. Before we start this episode, we're joined by Adam, who just wants to say a few words and uh, give a message to the listeners. Thanks, Barry. Just to avoid uh, any confusion, because it's been a while since we've had two Adams on, this is a message from old Adam. I just wanted to say thanks for all the messages that have been sent over the course of the last few weeks. Most of you will be aware that I've been in hospital over the border in Wrexham. I've been diagnosed with a brain tumour, but everything's all positive. I'm going into hospital next Tuesday to have it removed. So at the moment, everything's positive. You always remember on this podcast that uh, I'm usually the most positive. So that's, uh, I'm going to apply that to my, my health as well as the latics. I've been enjoying the podcast recently. I'm sure you've been enjoying them even more with me not doing my monologues like I'm doing this minute. I will be back. Don't know when exactly, but I will be back at some point in time. I suspect by the time I'm back, we'll be 10 points clear at the top. And Josh McGuinness will be top scorer with 15. And uh, we won't have conceded a goal in the entire period of time. There's my positivity. I'm going to hand back to... Uh, the experts. I'm going to look forward to listening to this podcast tonight. Hope all the Latics fans uh, have safe journeys over the course of the next uh, few weeks because obviously you've got Coventry coming up. Enjoy the matches, enjoy the podcasts, and most of all, just enjoy the Latics. We're on a great journey this season that we're all going to enjoy. Thanks again for all the messages. Love you all. Thanks, Adam. And just while we've got you, I'd just like to say, it was all, you know, you're looking, you're looking just the same, actually. You look a little bit younger. You lost a bit of weight. Yeah, Barry, there's been um, two and a half weeks without alcohol. There's been a real sort of uh, lack of tax going into the system, I think. But yeah, I don't feel too bad at all. I feel well. And by the way, uh, I love carbs, but if anyone wants to get me some chocolate, then uh, I am allowed to eat chocolate. So uh, hint, hint. Yes, and if, if you give them to me at the game, I'll make sure that Adam gets them. I suspect if you give them to Barry at the match, I'm not going to end up with chocolate, so I will end up with either out-of-date Uncle Joe's mint balls or Barry's sausage. <laughs> well, I was going to come round and, uh, with some sausage for you. So. <laughs> yeah. And on that, on that note, I'll, I'll leave you to it. and oh, Enjoy yeah. the pod. Lovely to see you and hear from you, Adam. Thank you very much for dropping in. Cheers. Fleetwood Town 1, Wigan Athletic 0. EFL Carabao Cup, Latics taste defeat at the same stage that they did two seasons ago to the same side at the same ground. I know you went last night, Adam. What did you make of it? I was actually relatively pleased. Obviously, as, as everyone knows, we put out a, a really young team with a with a mix of a few experienced lads in there. I thought the actual younger lads put on a better performance than, than some of those experienced lads like Shinny, Pierce. I mean, we say Tom Pierce, he's only 20, 23 or something like that. But yeah, I was relatively pleased. I, I couldn't see the game in the first half because of the sun. We, I know we had a, a, a few chances to take the lead that we should have we should have taken. Um, I think Humphreys had a couple. I mean, if we, if we took them, I think we had probably been a little bit of a different game. But no, they held held their own well against a, a relatively experienced Fleetwood side who'd made 
obviously fewer changes than we had. And I don't think there's anything to be concerned about last night. I think obviously the, the result's disappointing, but I think we've obviously our exploits in the league and having, I, I can imagine we're going to be fighting for every point this season. I think it's probably not too much of a disappointment to, to leave at this stage. On the back line, we'd use uh, and Carragher together, two centre-backs. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic last night. Absolutely fantastic. I thought they were probably the two two best players, and it and it you can tell they've kind of forged a bit of a partnership now, which I think it's it's probably a good thing to keep those together as much as possible. I know people have hinted at them being loaned out to different clubs, but there could be some benefit in keeping them together. Maybe having a full season in the twenty ones and and seeing where they're at next summer. I thought they were absolutely brilliant, and yeah, they're probably the, the shining shining stars last night in terms of the, the squad yeah it's, it's promising to see them see them developing very well yeah talking about loaning them out I mean I think the problem with that is we've we've only got two fit centres well out. yeah <laughs> yeah we can't loan them out now can we um, especially with with Watmore being a bit um, touch and go and one injury and we're kind of in the uh, in the you would have said Adam Long was ahead of him in the pecking order weren't you and we've let him go yeah I, f- I think we longer as well he got to that point of, of where he was kind of his early twenties and he needed to get get out, didn't he? Really for for that regular game time and obviously with us getting promoted, it, it didn't quite fit. But I think um, the ceiling for Carragher and Hughes is is a lot higher. Bit of a scrappy goal scored by Jed Gardner for uh, Fleetwood. Look at the lads who played with Charlie Hughes, James Carragher, Harry McHugh, Brennan Smith, Lloyd, Adiko, and Stones all all featured last night. Excellent experience for, for them all. Brennan, how did he lose in midfield? I think you could tell he'd, he'd not experienced first team football that much. I think he was he kind of took a while to get into the game. Um, he had a really really good chance second half, which he should have buried. He kind of mishit it. It was a great ball in from Kieran Lloyd. But yeah, I, I don't think any of them can um, can really be disappointed in the performance. I thought if you look at that Fleetwood team, a lot of them um, played on Saturday against Plymouth in the in the win against Plymouth. So I thought we edged the game to be honest on balance of play. I think the stats will probably just reflect it. But yeah, I think the only disappointment is. If we'd have gone through, it's another opportunity for them to, to play again, isn't it? Now, yeah. you know, you, you, there's probably, we've not got the, as, as much as the Papa John's trophies kind of slated, it was a great platform last season for some of our young lads to show what they've got and get into the semi-finals was absolutely brilliant. And it's, it's a bit disappointing that we don't have that. But again, you look at the result today, the 21s, 5-0, I think, some of the lads who played last night featured as well. So I think that'll be a good platform for them to show what they can do this season. Hopefully we can impress on that front and show that the academy is back to its uh, flourishing best. Talking of stats, 54% possession to the Latics. Fleetwood had 11 attempts with just the one on target. We had 10 with three on target. Corners were three to seven in our favour. Fleetwood committed 17 fouls to our seven, but we picked up three yellow cards, Shinny, Hughes and Nye Ambit again. Uh, and Fleetwood too. I was just thinking, of, talking about Nyambi today, he's picked two yellow cards up and I don't think he's done 90 minutes yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can't remember what he got for. I think he was probably a, a professional foul last night on the break or something, but he, I thought he played played well. I'd probably say he was, he was the best, better ones out of the lads who've got more experience in the belt. Again, he's he's only 24, isn't he? So he should provide good composition for the right-back spot. I think his, his experience will be quite key this season. We're uh, focusing on the league. At, at least until January, anyway. Indeed, indeed. Some more rumours incomings. We're linked with two Egyptians now. <laughs> with Gad, uh, Mama with Gad. He's, he's been fined. Have you seen that story? He's yes, been fined I have. For the comments he made. <laughs> 
Doesn't it remind you so much about the Zaki transfer where we were trying to get in from Zamalek? And you know what? I was I was just at the age where I didn't really know what's going on. I just appreciated his goals at that point. But yeah, it's it's bizarre this Egyptian thing, isn't it? I think obviously it's a there's, there's some non-footballing reasons behind these stories. Uh, the other one was uh, Caesar. I think that's how we pronounce his Caesar, name. Caesar, yeah. Yeah, from, he's Jam, Zamalek, 26-year-old right winger. He played last night, scored a hat-trick and two assists. Shot window. Shot window indeed, yeah. There's a little bit of dispute over the amount of the fee. Uh, apparently, we've offered the release clause, and it's been reported. You know these Egyptian sports sites, they're always spot on because they keep nothing quiet over there. Everything's being leaked. No. So we must have we must have done that. There's just a little bit of confusion about how much it is. Seems remarkably cheap for someone who's, I think, these tips is like the best player in the league over there. It's interesting. He's only 26, isn't he? I think he's been over there four years now, three or four years. So at that stage, he was still relatively young. But if you look at YouTube clips, as we've done, uh, as we did with Mario Baselli, he looks like the best best player in the world. <laughs> Since the last podcast, we did sign Nathan Broadhead from Everton. We signed him on a loan. Uh, for a year, he's only got a year left on his contract at Everton as well. So, shot window, like you said, Adam, this could be his shot window. Great player for Sunderland last season. You can't dispute that. Hopefully, he can make the step up and bang a few goals in for us. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really pleased about signing. I haven't seen him uh, a few times last season. He, he, he gives me a little bit of Callum Lang vibes. I won't lie, that kind of tricky kind of forward player can play it wide. And and I think we've done really well to get this one on the line. I do think it's very much a one season thing. Um, the fact that. I think Sunderland were trying to get him permanently. We've gone for the loan deal, and I think if he has a really good season, you know, he could end up back at Sunderland or somewhere else. I, th- I think, but again, we'll we'll benefit off that if he has a really good season. We'll benefit off it, and I think for us, it's all about that stabilising. And I, I think he's, I think he could probably step up, and I think he'll provide good competition in those forward areas because I think I think especially on Saturday we lacked a bit of maybe something different, and maybe he can provide that. So yeah, I'm, I'm chuffed with that. I think you're right in the competition in the forward areas it's an area with Dunia definitely you just need something a bit different in we're back at the DW Stadium on Saturday Bristol City are the visitors for our second championship home game of the season to look ahead to the game we are joined by Robin's fan and contributor to the Three Peeps in a Pod podcast Patch how you doing Patch? Hey Barry yeah I'm all good thank you thanks for asking it's uh, it's a lovely day down in Bristol the sun is shining and it's uh, yeah a little bit warm here in my office, so I get out for regular walks for both uh, mental health and to cool down. Nothing wrong with that at all. It's been a little bit of a disappointing opening two games for yourselves. You've lost by the odd goal in two games and, and currently sit in the relegation spots. Thanks for reminding me of that. Yeah, it's always good to get a good start, isn't it, in, in the season when the season opens and... Seeing yourself sitting pretty towards the top of the table early doors can give everyone a bit of a lift. We were unbeaten in pre-season and looking really good and improving as time went on. First game in the season away at Hull, we were unfortunate. We played some of the best football we've seen under Nigel Pearson and we went down to a dodgy penalty and then a deflected shot as well in the last minute. So that was a, a proper kick in the teeth. And then Sunderland at home on Saturday. Again, we were in the game first half, took the lead. Actually, we didn't take the lead. We had a, an early goal conceded uh, after, a, after a mistake from Naismith. And then we went 2-1 up and lost 3-2. But Sunderland were much the better side in the second half. To be honest with you, I'm looking forward to reacquainting ourselves with a couple of former players, Cal Naismith and Joe Williams. How have they been doing for you? Carl Naismith in pre-season in particular looked a great player and still does. First game, as I say, up at Hull, he he looked class 
And it's just that, and everyone's human. There was a, a chink in the armor in the fourth minute on Saturday with a mistake. He tried to play it out from the back and got caught out. But um, that aside, he has looked a great player and a leader on the pitch, which has been superb. Joe Williams has had a real stop-start start to his Bristol City season. He's been with us now probably, I don't know exactly, but two, three years and has played only a handful of games. Fingers crossed this season he can stay injury-free and continue to grow. He, again, is someone who leads by example on the pitch, someone who you want in the midfield and someone who can pick a pass. So excited to see how he develops. So on the whole, those two players are some of our better players, in my opinion. Another player that of yours that I'm always impressed with, and I was before he came to you, when he was at Derby, Andy Vyman. I see he's uh, off the mark already this season. He is, he's got goals in two games and there was a number of people who thought last season was a bit of a freak season for Andy Vyman with the number of goals he got the number of assists he got but he's proven that that's not the case he's he's full of confidence you can see that on the pitch he is literally everywhere on the pitch Andy Vyman it's a case of everything comes through him it's such an engine such an engine and he's on 45 goals now for Bristol City half of which more or less were scored last season so yeah he's close to close to the 50 mark already uh, even when he's joined us sort of four years ago he was someone who was looked to be the catalyst for lots of lots of plays etc so yeah he is a firm fans favorite with with most Bristol City fans I'd say for the effort for the goals for the assists and he's a he's a he's just a generally lovely guy as well so how can you not like that man he is a loud way and he always impresses me and talking about being impressed Nigel Pearson, he did a great job with Leicester. He seemed to struggle a little bit after that. He's, he's coming into Bristol City. What's your thoughts on him? And is he the right man to get his club stabilised and, and perhaps push for promotion? He is still stabilising, is my opinion. He came in a couple of years ago now and he had his first... first. Initially, it was a let's see what you think of us, let's see what we think of you. And then he got that sort of contract. So I think it's just about a year and a half now that he's been under contract in his three-year plan, as he called it, which is, I think it's a little bit harder than he than he first anticipated. He had to get rid of some players who weren't on the bus, which is a bit of a term that he uses in terms of where the club's going, how he wants the club to play, etc. It was definitely the right move at the time. We need the players were like playing as if they were on the beach towards the end of the season before last, and it needed someone like Nigel Pearson to come in and you know not take any as you know. So, yeah, he is still turning turning things round. He's building a squad. He's got rid of players such as Casey Palmer and Tyreek Backinson, who clearly weren't on his bus. I think we need to add a few more, hopefully, before the transfer window closes at the end of August. And then we'll make a go of it and see where we go from there. But tactically, we're, we're still... I mean, he seems to be going for a, like a 3-5-2, playing with those sort of attacking wing-backs. Wing and so far, we've seen that exploited a little bit. So it's interesting to see whether he will adjust that going forward or even flex it, depending on the opposition. So time will tell on that. But at the moment, I'm still firmly piercing in and hoping that we can start to get some points on the board example at Wigan on Saturday yeah well <laughs> it's a good time to play us as well uh, I would say because <clears throat> obviously we've lost the first two and we're missing Antoine Semenyo still at the moment who is our live wire up top as well so and and also Thomas Callas 
who is arguably our one of our best defenders at the club. So when an opposition fan says it's the best time to play, is you know you you know you what's <laughs> going to happen on Saturday. Summer signings, have you brought in any players? And I know you've mentioned a couple there uh, of players to look out for. Uh, who, who, you know, is your standout man? Moving away from Vyman and Naismith and Williams, who would you pick yeah. for the last expanse to look out for? Yeah, so obviously Naismith was one of the summer signings. Uh, we also signed Sykes from Oxford, who is a versatile player, can play up top, been playing right wing back the first two games as well, but he can also play tucking in. So... He seems to be a good player, someone who's quick, someone who's got a pass, someone who's got a shot. So Sykes is one. The other one is Wilson. So Kane Wilson, who we signed from Forest Green Rovers. He is a, a flying right wing back as well. So it's him or Sykes in the starting place. So he remains, remains to be seen. But in pre-season, he was getting to the byline, whipping crosses in and can be very dangerous. We're yet to see that in the league. So that's him. The other one is, uh, we well, we re-signed effectively. We signed Tim Closer, who's a, a centre-back. Uh, he was a Switzerland international. So he is a, he's, he's a player who did re- very well for us at the end of last season. Uh, signed him on a one-year deal, and he actually hasn't played the first two ga- hasn't started the first two games. And we also signed a goalkeeper, Bajic, who's French, but he's currently injured. So Dan Bentley is still our number one. So yeah, four signings so far this season. I've been reading about Steve Lansdowne saying that he's open to offers to sell. I know he's been at Bristol City, the owner, for, for a long time now. What's your thoughts on that? Is, are you concerned about what might happen if he does sell? Steve Lansdowne is 70 this month. He's been at the club 25 years. He's plugged millions into the club, writing off debts, etc. Off the pitch, infrastructure-wise, we've got a world-class high-performance centre, training ground, got the new newly... Uh, reconstructed stadium with the the Lansdowne stand being the sort of the iconic part of that but the the ground and all of the events that happen within that and Bristol Sport and it's still still being developed is all thanks to Steve Lansdowne and, and the family. In terms of investment we were lucky to have him on the podcast in April last year and he mentioned there about succession planning and the fact he was looking for investment so it's it's not anything new really to us he basically has said that he's not looking for someone to put millions in you know a million here a million there it's got to be a substantial investment and if it was substantial enough that it would that it was a a buy him out scenario then he would be open to looking at that is is i believe what has been said i'm confident that that steve will do the right thing for for us and whatever that means but it's really nice and it's refreshing to have someone from Bristol as the owner as well. You know that he's got the interests of the city at heart, so it would be a shame. It would be a, an emotional day should he and the family ever step away from Bristol City. So it's uh, so watch this space and go from there, really. Right, Patch, prediction for Saturday? I would be happy to come away with a point. It'll be our first point. You, When you go away, I don't know if you've got the same mentality, but you always go away happy with a draw. Anything else is a bonus. Saying that, we've lost the first two games, so a win would really, really help. So I'm going to go for an away win. I'm going to go that we're going to win 3-1. Thank you for that, Patch. And it's been great having you on the Progress of the Unity podcast. Thanks, mate. Take care. <laughs> Patch, though, with a 3-1 prediction. Come on, Patch. Cal Naismith had a calamity last Saturday at home to Sunderland after four minutes, but he still made a big impression on on the Bristol City fans. It's not surprising, really. I think we 
we saw what Cal could do, especially when he moved into centre half, which we never thought he would at first, did we? Good signing for them. Obviously, a big part of Luton's playoff push last season. And it'll be interesting to see how he does on Saturday. Um, but I think they've been playing him as a central centre half and a three at the back, which surprises me a little bit. He's not super tall or super quick, and usually he needs to be one of them to, to play that position. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. Interesting to see the, the mistake he made on Saturday as well. Hopefully, he does that again on. This coming Saturday. Interesting to see the reaction he gets from the latter fans because obviously we're a bit divided when it comes to Cal Naismith, but we somewhere very much on his side and some were very much against him. I think I think by the end of it, mostly on his side, weren't we? Yeah. Right. I think we'll have a ref watch for Saturday then. The referee on Saturday is John Busby from Oxford. He's been an EFL referee since the 2016-17 season, and he was promoted to the Select Group Two in 2021-22. He spent eight seasons as an assistant referee. Last season, John Busby took charge of 33 games. He issued 120 yellows, four red cards, and he awarded six penalties. It's only one previous Latics game, which was the 3-0 win over Southend at the DW in October 2017. And that is John Busby, who is the referee against Bristol City on Saturday. Wigan and Bristol City I've actually met 28 times which seems like a lot of a lot of games not a great record for us we've, we've only won six times drawn a nine and lost 13 six of those defeats have come in Wigan with us winning four times at home uh, the first time we met Bristol City was actually back in 1984-85 I remember it well 2-0 defeat at Ashton Gate in early on in the season and then followed by a 2-2 draw at Springfield Park in April. The last time we actually met Bristol City was in the 1920 season when we got relegated. There was a 2-2 draw at, I believe, their place and a 2-0 defeat at our place, which is a little bit of history repeating itself from that first season we met them. Bristol City haven't started off too well, actually. Two defeats so far away from home at Hull, although they did get kind of done over by a dodgy penalty decision. And they lost at home to Sunderland last week, who do look like they've got a bit about on the season. It isn't the start that they were obviously open for, but they do have familiar faces, Joe Williams and Cal Naismith in, in the ranks. So it'll be interesting to see them come back. I think Paul mentioned before, Cal Naismith, it'll be interesting to see what reception he gets. But I think Joe Williams, will, if he plays, will more than likely get a good one. Yeah, it was interesting listening to Pat on there saying that uh, Joe Williams has only played about 10 games over three seasons due to injuries that he's picked yeah, up. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame because I think his, he, he looked like he was destined to go on to big things. I think... I was getting Premier League uh, visions with him, the way he was playing before he left us. But yeah, it's a shame. Injuries can really hinder a career, can't they? Hurton's sole player, a great, great player, and follows the Lassics around the country when he's... He does, uh, he does. When he's not playing, yeah. yeah. That's brilliant to see, isn't it? Yeah, once a tick, always a tick. We know Joe Williams, we know. In his predictions, Patch went for a 3-1 away win. He seems to think Andy Vinan's going to be touring it up this season. I was just wondering how you think it's going to go, Paul. I think he's right, but I think he's got the, the score around the wrong way around, but the right numbers, because I think it's going to be a 3-1 home win. That penalty decision they got against in the opening game against Hull, watch that. It, it wasn't a dodgy penalty decision. It's absolutely ridiculous. It falls over about six foot away from where he was, uh, where he was caught. And I've watched the highlights and... They look a bit static defensively. Hopefully we can get stuck into that and the Guinness can give them a bit of stick and then Stevie Humphries can come on and uh, run Braggy and we'll win 3-1. So it's going to be, I think, quite an even game on Saturday, actually. I think we're both similar teams, probably looking at maybe similar league finishes. Uh, they finished 17th last season, so that's probably the, 
the kind of ballpark where, we're, where we may be looking at. Hopefully, fingers crossed, actually. <laughs> I won't mind something. On Saturday, though, I, th- I can see a bit of a tight game. I, I, my positive side's looking at a 1-0 Wigan win, maybe a penalty or something like that. I, I do love like a, a scrappy 1-0, and I won't mind one on Saturday. And I think we're kind of easing our way into the season. Um, we've looked good defensively, and hopefully that can continue on Saturday. And I think with, with Jason Kerr and Curtis Till, I'd really do like that that partnership at the back. And I'm hoping for a, another home clean sheet on Saturday with a... A scrappy goal. A little bit surprised listening to Patch again talking about Nigel Pearson and the fact that he's the boss. You expect his size to be really physical, have his sort of mentality on the pitch, but he reckons not. I, th- I think we'll battle our way to a win. I'm a bit like you, Adam. I like the scrappy wins, but I think I'm going to go for something a little bit more comfortable. I'm going to go for a 2 0 win with Nathan Broadhead coming on, because I don't think he'll start coming on as a late substitute and doing this party piece and scoring a goal in the last 10 minutes. So, yeah, 2-0 to the last hit with a Will Keane goal and a Nathan Broadhead goal. I'd like to say a big thank you to Patch Warner from the Three Peeps in a Pod podcast for coming on tonight and giving us his lowdown on Bristol City. More importantly, I'd like to give a big thank you to Adam for coming on at the beginning and talking openly about what's happened to him. And he is hoping that he'll be back sooner rather than later talking his usual rubbish. And also, Adam, a big thanks to you for stepping into the breach tonight. I really appreciate you stepping Not up. a problem. It's uh, it's great to be back. Thanks thanks for inviting me on. And Paul, do you want to give thanks to anybody? <laughs> uh, you've, I think you've covered them both. Yeah, I was hoping you won't forget Adam for coming on and stepping into the breach. Obviously, you know, we all wish the other Adam all the best. Hopefully everything just works out all right for him. On that note, let's stick one up Bristol City. So it's a up the ticks and come on. Come on. Come on.